0: Welcome to Leaders Raising Leaders. I'm your host, Tara Elzank. Join me each week for insightful conversations with industry leaders, where we will be exploring the art of balancing work and life. We'll dive into the challenges and triumphs of parenthood, shaping a path for change. Get ready for an inspiring journey filled with authentic stories. Welcome to part two of my conversation with Dr. Emma Bagnell from The Mothering Psychologist. I would like to just offer a trigger warning. We will be talking about pregnancy loss in the course of this episode. A huge thank you to our sponsor, MentorHer, for sponsoring the Leaders Raising Leaders podcast. We have now reached over 10 countries. Thank you all for your downloading. We really appreciate it and hope you have a Merry Christmas
1: we don't recognize that as moms. sometimes we don't see how much we do as
2: moms. yeah and actually this brings me on then um to kind of I suppose the d- d- distorted version of social media and parenting then as well because we don't really put up um or you don't see people putting up the sick babies and saying you know i spent my day doing this you know you you see them bringing them for walks in the park and you know getting all the shopping done having really lovely uh, you know aesthetically pleasing fridges and <laughs> plates and everything else and it can be very tricky to navigate that as parents yeah
1: it doesn't just all come together and look i know i get why people do it you need your instagram to look pretty um but for me i'd rather be real if that makes sense um And I don't know, maybe it's just me. Sometimes now I get frustrated as well, because I feel like sometimes on certain accounts, there's these token moments they put in where they say they've had a bad day. And yet two hours later, they're all dolled up, you know, and they're ready to go out for a big event. And I'm going, how? Like, how (laughs) did that happen in a couple of hours? Do you know? (laughs) Um, And I suppose, look, we all live different lives and we all have different levels of support. But I think we need to be careful to show both the good and celebrating moments and also the moments that are that little bit trickier and that are hard. You know, like one of the things I find that I'm really conscious about is that say around sleep, people would kind of assume, you know, oh, your babies are all going to sleep wonderfully because, you know, you know it all, like you're a holistic sleep coach. And yes, there are days where we have fantastic sleep. And of course I will celebrate that because I want other mums on instagram to look my page and go well you can get there at some point you, you can yeah. get there but then there's other days where mm-hmm. i'll share you know i've been up all night i had a sick baby or they just for some reason decided that they didn't want to sleep and that's the that's the reality of it but it's gone very it can be very skewed i think on social media sometimes and mm-hmm. yeah. i think that's really hard and one of the things i've been thinking about lately also is that a lot of us moms, it's when we're up feeding during the night, is when we start scrolling on the phone, and that's yeah. when we're sleep deprived, and that's when we're maybe not at our best, and that's when we're being hit with these images of picture perfect motherhood and mm-hmm. and parenting, and I think it has a much bigger impact. Do you know to yourself, like if you are having a good day, you can see those kind of things, you can brush them off and go, "Asher, let them off. That's yeah. their life, or whatever." Yeah. But I think if you are having a bad day, um, or a bad moment. Um, that can really get in on you, I think.
2: And I think this is actually a really tricky time of the year, especially for that, because there's more of the, you know, going to see Santa Claus and the Elf in the Shelf and there's, you know, meeting the families and, you know, so there's probably a few more people posting who may not post uh, um, throughout the rest of the year in reality, but they're putting up these memories to put on their page. And again, like, you know, but as you said yourself, they're like, oh gosh, look what they're doing now. And I haven't done any of this with my family. Exactly. exactly. It's kind of
1: this pressure, you know, to do things um and Mm. i think there's always this thought that are we failing our child in some way so i don't know did you even notice you probably didn't i think it was maybe last week at some stage i put up a story of a picture of what i'm calling a december box for for my elves it would be for the two of them Mm. as i get older but for me it was to replace the elf on the shelf and it was marking that it was the beginning of December because I'm trying to help my eldest understand how to count down because obviously she doesn't understand time. And she won't nice. for a while.
2: Yeah, so yeah.
1: my idea with that was that I put in things that some things will be replaced every year, but something she will have every year. So like, say for example, she has like a little Christmas plate and a cup and a drink bottle, do you know, and a little felt tree that she can decorate herself. Um, just little things like that. And then there were some goodies and treats, but I left it there. It's kind of mark the beginning of December. And within a couple of hours, my goodness, Tara, I had parents messaging me going, what is this? I never heard of a December box. Do, like, where do I get it? Do I need to do this? Is this important? Is this a replacement for Elf on the Shelf? And I can go, on, oh, my goodness, like, calm down. This is just a tradition that I've started. There is that no pressure, that, you know, but there's this kind of thing of, well, she's the psychologist. You know, she's the expert, as we say. Yeah. Um, so I need to be doing it.
0: Hmm.
2: yeah yeah and that's that's a tricky balance for you then as well because again you're trying to show and i love seeing new traditions like this and you know I talk a lot, actually, with parents about starting their own traditions, but also about that the expectations, because I feel the, the other side of it then is there's expectations. Oh, you ha- we have to call to Nana. We have to call, we have to go to see Santa Claus. We need to do the Elf on the Shelf. You know, where do you start, particularly in the early years? Because you don't want to start something that you can't carry on for the next 10 years either. So it's, well, sorry, I'm actually going to correct myself there because you can, but at the time, I feel like you, you you think that what I do today, what I do this Christmas is what we're going to be doing for the next 10 years. Um, and again, I suppose we had to pivot our, some of our ideas quite early on because of COVID. And then I learned, well, actually, it is easy to pivot if you want to. You can have those open, open conversations with your kid about why you are pivoting. But I feel there's a lot of pressure and where parents feel like what I do this year has to carry on now for those traditions. Exactly, exactly. And I think I think
1: we see a lot more of that around Christmas because there's a lot more of that kind of Mm -hmm. commercialism and where. Yeah, I think there's there's kind of a generation of mothers at the minute where we might have grown up in that generation where there was a big commercialization about Christmas. And now we feel that we need to do that for our kids as well and mm. we need to be doing all of these things and i think the other side of it as well is i, I suppose for me people to laugh at me right because a lot of people say to me when they meet me in reality they go god you never think you're a psychologist you never think you're a doctor you know and i'd say well is that a good <laughs> thing or is that a bad thing um <laughs> and for me i kind of feel like we need to look at how we define expert and how we perceive that mm. so Okay, as an expert, yeah, I, I guess I have a lot of knowledge and a lot of background information, for example, about child development and sleep. Um, but at the same time, I don't know everything. I can't know everything. At the end of the day, on my page, all I'm doing is sharing what I know. I'm show, I'm sharing how I'm interpreting the research um, and how that plays out for me in my life with my family and with my children and that doesn't necessarily have to mean that that's the right fit for everybody else um but i think that's where the problem is that people think that if you're an expert then you know and that is how everybody should do things if that makes sense when actually we wouldn't have so many experts if there wasn't so many different ways of going about things when you think about
0: it
2: (laughs) And look, and I think, you know, social media has made it more accessible for you to get information straight from these experts instead of, you know, whereas, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, maybe it may not have been as accessible, but there is a danger to that as well, um, for sure. And, you know, I think it, it is, I love your person-centric approach, approach where you're saying, well, look, actually, this is this is what I'm sharing. Um, And I think actually just, suppose, touching on that now as well, where we're looking at this world where everything wants us to speed up. Social media wants us to speed up. Have you any kind of, I suppose, tips or like what what do you do to slow down? Because I know you talk a lot about that on your page as well, about letting your kids explore and letting them slow down and kind of, I suppose, taking their lead on, on things. One of the biggest things that I noticed
1: I do, and I only realized recently that I do this, Um, is if I am getting a new toy or something for one of the girls and I show it to them, um, I won't go near the instructions and I won't read the box. And the reason for that is because I'll go into the mode of... This is what the instructions say that we should do. And we're going to do it this way. And I'm sure, you know, Tara, that's not how it goes, because those instructions are written by adults. They're not written by children. They don't allow for open play. And open play is what children love. So I've learned to do the safety part of take the plastic off and get rid of the ties and all that and then put it in front of her. And if if my dad asks for help, I will help her. And if not, I'll sit back and um, but I think one of the biggest things as well is trusting that doing nothing is doing something for your child. And I think that's really hard because I think um, obviously with good intentions, there's a lot of kind of ideas and suggestions around social media about what you could do with your children you know, for activities and things like that, which is great to give you ideas. Um, but I think that makes you feel like you need to be doing all these things and you always need to be doing something. Um, Whereas Mm -hmm. actually stepping back and just observing and waiting, that is doing something. And it's probably one of the most powerful things that you can do. Um,
0: And I definitely
1: notice it, the difference that obviously, look, my two girls, they have different temperaments and personalities. But I would notice that with my eldest, because she could have had all of my attention in those early days, you know, she didn't necessarily have to. I suppose be as independent and do as many things for herself when she was younger, and I remember I'd be down the floor and I'd be showing her how to roll and I'd do tummy time and all these things. And the reality is, I don't have that same time this time round. And there's a couple of times where you know my, my the baby could be on the play mat and I'm doing something in the same room with my eldest, and I turn around and go, "Oh, so you just rolled? All right, okay." You know, where well, I would have been spending <laughs> ages doing that with my with my eldest. Um, and that just really yeah. shows that sometimes just standing back is is important. What they need from us most is, is connection and to be there. And I'm just really mindful to say that that doesn't mean you have to be there all the time. It's just for moments of yeah. the day and parts of the day that when you're there, you are present. You are all in, if that makes sense. So you're putting away the phone, you know, ignoring the notifications. Yeah. Do you know, actually, a really good tip is if you wear a smartwatch, turn off your notifications or put it on cinema mode because Mm -hmm. I've noticed I put the phone down and then, you know, the watch starts vibrating and I'm going, oh, what's that? You know, it's so easy to get pulled out of that, isn't it?
2: I've actually said uh, to parents that the most the the best way to be present is actually to be on airplane mode (laughs) like just put everything on airplane mode and yeah like even for the hour if you're going for a walk or whatever yeah just to get the notifications off but you're so right like when, when, when my first was born like again you know you're teaching all the words and uh, you know, you're you're doing all the rolling on the floor and, and then the second comes along and, and starts rolling and then the third comes along and they start doing it as well. And you're like, OK, well, and where that's where the guilt kind of comes in as well. Because you're like, OK, I actually did this with my first and but you're doing it by yourself. Brilliant.
1: Exactly. Your, your priorities <laughs> and your perspective, they just totally shift.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And look, I know we're kind of going a little bit over time, Emma, but I just um can't leave without talking to you a small bit. I hope you don't mind about like the return to work, because I know you mentioned as well that you've had a few different return to work um situations. And I really want, I suppose, to kind of normalise this experience for people as much as possible. So do you mind maybe talking to me a bit about your experience with returning to work? Of course. Work? Yeah, no problem. Um, So, I suppose
1: just can kind of give people some context for from when I went back to work in terms of my maternity leave, I had taken the full six months paid leave and then I took unpaid leave. And you know yourself, you make it up what bank is an annual leave. So I was trying to go back to work when my eldest was one. Um, and I remember when I was going back in the summertime. So I was due back in the November and in the summertime, I was starting to think, you know, I don't know that I want to go back to work full time. Um, I think I prefer to go back part-time and I was trying to, I suppose negotiate that would work and you know, part-time hours, it just wasn't an option. Um, and the solution we came to will be that I take a day, a week of parents leaving, you know, that was a compromise. And I was trying to get my head around that. Um, and that it was kind of anxiety that you feel about leaving your baby, your first baby for the first time. And bearing in mind, she was a COVID baby. So she really hadn't been left with people. Um and navigating leaving her in creche and then in the October very sadly I ended up having a pregnancy loss so I was I actually remember looking back having a phone call with my manager trying to navigate you know parents leave and how we were going to do this and how to extend my leave so I could go back after my little girl had turned one and started a and all that and I was actually right in the middle of the pregnancy loss and recovering, and I remember thinking, "What, what am I doing? I'm not in the headspace to do this." But at the same time, I had no choice. Like I was getting ready to go back to work. What, what could I do? And I needed to yeah. figure this out. Um. So for me, there was a lot going on, and then, believe it or not, then my very first day back at work that morning, I found out that I was pregnant again. So. There was all of this emotion. And then on top of that, my own personal experience of, you know, going back to work and feeling like, um, am I not going to remember it all? Am I not going to be any good anymore? Um, Can I still do this? Can I be a mom and be a psychologist at the same time? You know, can I juggle it all? And then on top of that, finding out that I was pregnant again, which obviously this on one hand was really exciting and we were so happy. But I remember looking at that test and going, but what if it doesn't work this time? And and how am I going to do this? Yeah. Um, and I just remember those first few weeks in work being really, really hard. Um, and then unfortunately, we ended up having to take my eldest out of creche as well. I wasn't happy with the care she was getting. So I remember then the guilt of it's my fault that she was in there. It's my fault that she had those experiences because I went back to work. Um, now, I think, thankfully, one of the things that got us through it was that, like I said, my mom lives around the corner. Um, and she was well able to kind of take all my eldest from me. So she looked after her for me, um, which did take some of the stress out. And at least I, I could see she was happy being dropped off again, you know, and and she was yeah. my girl. Like that was one of the things that it it was a very um, unhappy experience for, for my girl being in crash. And um, the photos that they sent home, I remember looking at them going, that's that's not hard that's not the face. face that i see yeah. and that was really hard so i suppose getting my mom to look after her um was really really helpful and that kind of helped a little bit but then i was still in work worrying about trying to keep up with work and also worrying about this pregnancy and not feeling well um and the demands of work and then unfortunately i have hyper um hyper joints which really badly affects my pelvis during pregnancy and i knew it was starting early and it was just another stress I'm going, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to drive to work. You know, it yeah. was like you said earlier on about other areas of, of raising our kids. I was thinking six months ahead. I was thinking past my maternity leave yeah. before i even gone on maternity leave because in my head I was thinking, mm-hmm. how am I going to make sure that the service that I work in can keep going when I've gone back to work, yeah. you know, and I suppose my experience in some ways is unique, but it's also not unique. I'm sure there's lots of other mothers have similar experiences. Um, But I think it's just important to, I suppose, highlight for mothers that going back to work can be hard, you know, um, and to get Mm -hmm. support where you can around that. um, It's not easy.
2: And Emma, thank you so much for sharing. Um, And I really appreciate, and I'm really sorry for your loss. Um, I've gone through it myself and it, it's, it's never easy. Um, you know, I, I think it's something that stays with you forever. Um, I'm actually welling up even just thinking about my own now, um, because it, it is, it's, it's a hard time. And that the next pregnancy I find is that little bit more difficult. So you go into the hospital, go for the scans, every scan just hits different. Mm-hmm. um, and you know the return to work journey is is difficult enough already and to go through that for the first time with a loss as well I can only imagine was very difficult and a lot of emotions as you said because you want to enjoy the pregnancy as well yeah and I feel
1: like there needs to be just um it's a tricky one I feel like there needs to be more support for mothers navigating um pregnancy loss or even fertility issues while working um Mm -hmm. and it's a hard one to get the balance right on because i know for a lot of mothers and there definitely was times it was for me as well where sometimes being really busy like that is what gets you through gets you focused so you really want to Mm -hmm. do that but equally work can be hard and i don't know the right answer to it tara because it's also such a personal experience that you don't want to feel like you have to share it that you have to put it out there but equally you want to feel like you can and that it can be understood Mm -hmm. um And I just remember kind of thinking there was a lot of kind of tough decisions I was trying to make in work and there was hard days. And I knew I was sitting there going, my brain doesn't have the space for this. And right now, emotionally, I'm not able for it because I find that there's times when when I'm working with families, I'm all in, you know, and I like to think that I advocate for families. So obviously, you know, there's service needs and, you know, there's all of that. But my role is always I need to represent the family and I need to advocate for them and I need to support them as best I can. And I remember one day, you know, having a phone call with a parent who was really upset and I was doing my best to support them. And I came off the phone, you know, kind of going, there's all my energy of emotional support gone to them today and I've none left for me. And I know it's probably selfish to think about it that way, but it was the reality. I remember coming home that day going, I'm just I, I can't take on anymore today and yet I knew I was coming home yeah. to my little girl who was a one-year-old and all yeah. that goes on of being home and having to be happy for her when I get home because she missed me when I was gone you know it's just it mm-hmm. takes up this huge emotional space within us and yeah. I think we need to be mindful of how that impacts us and work and be supported around that.
2: And that's, that's a really important conversation to have. And as you said, making sure you have those conversations where you feel you, you can have them if, if needs be, I feel is so important. Can I ask, um, Emma, before you got pregnant for the first time and when you thought about, you know, working and being a parent, did you ever imagine that you would give up work or slow down with work or want no, to? No. no? <laughs> and I think it's because... To get to be a clinical psychologist,
1: it's this really long road. Um, People are always amazed when I tell them how Mm -hmm. long it it takes. So like I had to do a degree. I remember doing my degree and thinking that's great. Now I'm a psychologist and being told, well, you're not qualified to do anything. Really (laughs) like, "Okay, so what do I need to do next? And I was told I need to work for you and get an experience. And I did that and I still wasn't qualified. So I had to do my master's, which Mm -hmm. was another year and I still wasn't qualified. And then I had to work for another fuse, get more experience. And then I got on the doctorate. But also at each of those stages along the way was this huge competition. So you were always striving, striving, striving for the next thing and always competing against other people. So for me, my career was really important, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, in my head, I was like, I've given up so many years of my life for this career and i remember being a psychologist was all i wanted to do since i was 16 that yeah. is all i wanted to do and all of a sudden in my head i'm going i don't know if this is what i what i want to do anymore and then i also kind of had these thoughts in my head of feeling like an imposter um, and mm-hmm. i'd often had that um while i was kind of going through training to be a psychologist and i even remember the day I graduated, you know, my friends and family, they were just teasing, you know, saying, oh, Dr. Emma, Dr. Emma. And I remember going, no, don't call me that <laughs> because in my head, it was like, no, I'm not good enough. You know, I'm still not good enough to be a doctor. And I had always thought that was just, you know, part of this psychology journey um, and being a psychologist and, you know, all the competition that went with it and all the no's that you get along the way. Um, but I remember at times feeling like that and I still do feel like that at times being a mom kind of going, you know. Yeah. Am I, am I doing this right? You know, just feeling this total imposter that sure. How could I be a mother when I didn't know how to do this? Or how can I be a mother when, you know, I was really sharp with my eldest that day? Like, why did I do that? That's not a nice thing to do as a mother. You know, you were just, I think I can be really yeah. hard on myself. Um, and I suppose going back to that piece then around whether I ever thought that I want to stay at home. no. No, uh, even though even though I felt like I was an imposter, I was like, nope, I'm going to be a career mom. You know, and my girls are going to yeah. be fine, and I'm going to be able to go to work, and it will all be fine. It will it will all work, as yeah. they say in the books. You know, the set times when to get them ready in the morning, and I'll get out the door on time and get home on time. But now my priorities have totally shifted, and it's funny all my career decisions are made around them and because of them, if that makes yeah. sense.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that makes it more powerful as well for me anyway, like, you know, I started praying basically to 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 keep that side of my career that I wanted to keep going, but to work it around my kids. Because I that for me, kind of life first, work second was kind of and and I'll read the books for work as like, as you kind of said earlier, as like leisure time, you know, because I, I really enjoy what I do. But it's it hits different um, now than than it would have, uh, you know, six years ago. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And it's funny because even um, I don't know if I told many people this story, but my my logo of of my um, mothering psychologist page. Um, if you look at it, it's a little orange heart and in the heart is a mother holding her baby up Um, and that's my reminder that this is who I'm doing it for because that logo, that little image in my logo was actually designed by a really good friend of mine um, Amanda McGuinness from Little Puddings Um, and she designed it for me and she designed it from a picture of me holding my eldest up to give her a kiss because that's what I always did with her Um, and it's that kind of reminder of also that she's up above me, you know, so it's like I'm doing this Mm. for you and you know I'm sure there'll be times when they're older where maybe things will be more about me and and that's okay um but I don't feel like um I don't feel like I've had to compromise and I think if you'd asked me this question before I had kids I would have said you know well putting them before my work and my career would be a compromise you know um whereas right now it's what feels right for me it's what feels right for my family I don't Mm. feel like um I don't feel like I'm giving up on things. It's just trying to find this new balance of how do I manage it all? Because there's still a lot that I want to do at the same time. Um, And it's just remembering my why and my girls are my why.
2: And I feel like we could go on now and I could talk to you loads more here, but I feel like what I would love to do is kind of just close us off by maybe telling us a little bit more about the mothering psychologist and what it is that you do with the mothering psychologist. Yeah. So it's just, it started out
1: as my Instagram page. And so really, I'm just really Mm -hmm. passionate about getting information out there about all aspects Mm -hmm. of, I suppose, parenting and sleep and Child development. And also, I've started kind of doing a blog now where I share my experiences where I'm wearing my mommy hat and my psychologist hat and trying to navigate it all. Um, And that's just, I suppose, to be an antidote, I guess, you know, to this kind of picture perfect parenting that's out there. Um, Mm -hmm. And slowly, slowly, I'm trying to put supports and services into place. So I do a lot of work with parents around parent support. Um, Obviously, I'm on mat leave at the minute. Um, But in the next couple of months now, I'll also be taking on sleep consultations. And I have a couple of exciting sleep projects coming up um, in the new year. But I suppose really my focus is trying to holistically support parents in this parenting journey so some of that might be just giving information and helping them to understand their Mm -hmm. child a little bit better and sometimes it's getting a bit of support from me to navigate all of this that goes with parenting and motherhood and understanding our children
2: (laughs) absolutely fabulous so they can find you at the mothering psychologist is that the where they will find the blog as well? the blog
1: is on my website which is also www.themotheringpsychologist.com
2: Brilliant. Emma, thank you so much for um, everything today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And as I said, I feel like we could probably continue for another hour, but I'm very conscious of the fact that Millie has been very gracious and allowed us to have this conversation for the last 50 minutes. So thanks again. Thanks
0: so much for having me, Tara. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining today's episode of Leaders Raising Leaders. If you found these insights valuable, then there's more waiting for you in the show notes where you can find our free guide packed with additional resources and tips. Don't miss out on future episodes. Subscribe, rate and leave a review. Your feedback fuels the conversations. And remember, you're not alone on this journey of leadership and parenthood. Until next time, keep leading, keep parenting and keep redefining what it means to be a leader raising a leader.